All right, how are you guys today? Good. Well, why don't we start off, if you're out in the foyer, come on, make your way in, we're getting started. I want you to reach your hands up here, and I want you to pray for me real quick. Father, let that man speak the word of God. Amen. All right, now I want you to put your hand on your heart. Father God, let me hear the word of God. Let me hear your word. Anything else, let it go away. But I want to encounter you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what? God is faithful to the prayers of his people. You know, isn't that awesome? I'm really excited about our prayer night. In fact, I didn't even get to tell you, the first week of December, we're going to set a week aside to gather together for prayer. And that's going to be every night we're going to pray. Um, one of our favorite things that we do. In fact, if you've, if you've even seen some of the stuff we have floating around, these are door hangers. It says, we prayed for you today. We have cards that say that, that you can give away that say, we prayed for you today. The reason is that we believe that when we encounter God through prayer, through just life, period, that transformation can come to a city. And I believe that our city wants transformation. They don't know it yet, but they want it. Amen? So, what I want to talk about today, I want to ask you a few questions. And I hope that they make you a little bit uncomfortable because they make me a little bit uncomfortable. So if you're taking notes, the first question I want you to ask yourself, what do I want? You know, a lot of times we don't spend time reflecting. We don't spend time thinking through why we do what we do and how we do it. So, what do you want? Out of life, out of relationships, anything. There's, there's nothing off limits here. What do you want? What do you really want? Is it fame? You know, there's it's nothing inherently wrong with fame. Is it a relationship? Do you want a relationship with another human being? Maybe it's a romantic relationship. Maybe it's a best friend. What, what do you want? Maybe you want a deeper relationship with the, with the person you already are connected with. Do you want a family? What do you want? Do you want finances? What's, what's in your heart? Why do you do what you do? And does it reflect what you want? Because again, there is nothing inherently wrong with finances. You can move a lot of things with finances. One of the things, you can, you can partner with the kingdom or you can buy yourself a big house and neither one of those, both of those are good, right? So what do you want? What do you really want? What marker of success appeals to you? I told you I was going to make you a little uncomfortable. You're in church and I'm up here talking about success and you're like, well, I know this is going to go spiritual eventually, but some of those things kind of sting a little bit, right? Because in our minds, we have an idea of what success looks like. We have a person that we've maybe idolized or, or maybe wanted to be mentored by. What measure of success do you want in your life? Have you thought about those things? Have you asked yourself those questions? Because when you ask those things, you're revealing your heart. And when you reveal your heart to your spirit, you open and invite God into it. So it's important that we take those questions, not just to ourselves, but we, we pray about them. We ask God, God, what, what do I want? And how is it causing me to respond to other people? What, maybe what, um, how is it making me respond to you, God, because of what I want? How does that desire, what you, what you really want, your measure of success, how does that desire impact you? your family, your friends, your city, and your nation. You ever, you remember the movie, The Butterfly Effect? You know, a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the world and it creates this chain reaction. Um, so everything we do, it has a measure of response around us. 
even the thoughts we have, even the, the opinions we hold, do you know they come out even if we don't speak them? Have you ever noticed that? You know when someone's mad, right? Even if they don't come in and cross their arms and turn away from you. Like, you still know when somebody just smiles at you and goes, good to see you. Right? Have you ever been there? Like, so there's some effect happening because of your desires, your wants, those sorts of things. We are trying to find some measure of qualification to know that we're making an impact on life. I really believe that most people's greatest fear is that they'll never have made a difference. I really believe that that lack of hope is why so many take their own lives. They feel so insignificant and unqualified. Like, I can never do enough, so I'm not even going to engage. I mean, have you been there? I've been there. Or they just are so self-centered that they're going to bulldoze over everything else to get there. Can I tell you, in the kingdom of God, there's no difference in either one of those. Both of those are self-centered, self-focused. It's called pride. And you and I both deal with it daily. And our, our, the measure at which we deal with that pride, we deal with those sorts of things, those focuses, really does have a measure on the, our success. Because, let me say it again, we are trying to find some measure of qualification to know that we're making an impact on life. So my story, there's power in a testimony. There's power in your testimony. Don't ever be afraid to share it. Because you may, you may still be on the journey, but praise God, if you've made Jesus your king, your Lord, you've left. Right? You've left where you started. So, grew up in church. I still remember sobbing when I was five years old. I was, I was in my bedroom, and my mom was, was going through flashcards with me. We were, we were reading some alphabet stuff and learning phonics and all of that good stuff, and I just, I don't know. I may have been trying to get out of school. Any of y'all ever do that? I don't think that was the case. Cause I, re I remember telling my mom, Mom, I, I, I want Jesus. I want Jesus in my heart. Five years old. Five-year-old doesn't know much. But I knew what I wanted. I wanted Jesus. I knew that my thoughts, even at five, I knew that my thoughts weren't pure. I knew that, that I, I didn't treat my sister how I was supposed to. I didn't. I knew that I, I was self-centered, self-focused, but I knew that I need Jesus. You fast forward a few years, and, and there's these markers in your life. There's these places in your life where you look back and you remember something happened here. I remember being on my knees at five years old. I remember going to youth camp when I was 12. And in experiencing and receiving the Holy Spirit for the first time. I'm thinking, wow, I never knew this was part of it. I finally feel like there's some power here. I finally feel like there's more. And it's not all about me. And so I'm just sitting there thinking, man, God, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I make a difference? So I started getting on a worship team and playing guitar every week and, and at 12. And, and I just really enjoyed being on this worship team. And I wasn't inherently good at guitar. I didn't have the best voice in the world, but I loved worshiping God. Everybody else on my team was better than me. But I just was thankful to be there. Or so I thought. Because I was the beginning of, of these thoughts of disqualification. Well, he's better at guitar than I am. She sings way better than I do. These seeds were planted at 12 years old that I'm not worthy. I'm not even worthy to, to, to serve God and how I want to serve God and how I'm called to serve God. I'm just not worthy. I knew that I had sin in my life. I knew there was days that, 
that I looked at things that I shouldn't have looked at. And to me, I, I disqualified myself before I ever started. I'm sitting here, I'm wanting to make a difference in the world. I remember at that age, throwing a baseball at the ceiling and, and just thinking of one day I'm going to get to preach messages and see people's lives change because of what Jesus has done in my life. And yet, I thought, I'm dyslexic. I get up in front of people and I lose my words. I don't know what I'm going to say next. I'm going to look like an idiot. And yet, in that deep part of me, that what do I really want? I want to see people know Jesus. And then the enemy whispers. If they knew what you really thought, if they knew the sin in your life, You'd pull people away from Jesus. You wouldn't push them towards him. That spiral right there leads most of us to a works mentality. Because the grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ is bigger than what I do or don't do. He's forgiven me from everything. It says in, in 1 Corinthians that, that Christ no longer is holding our transgressions against us. Well, does that mean I just get to go live like the devil? I mean, you can. How's it going to work out for you? The wages of sin are death. They always have been. Regardless of whether Christ is holding them against you or not, do you want to live in the kingdom of God today? Or do you just want to get there one day and live like hell for the rest of your life? That's a good way to get defeated. But if you don't know that you're qualified, You'll never make that difference. So, one of my things was relationship. I've dreamed of being married since I was a little boy. When I'm 17, I meet this girl. Y'all know her. She's teaching in children's church right now. I'm sorry, I got distracted for a second. But I wanted a relationship. I wanted somebody to share my life with. And then I finally found somebody. I'm like, oh, things are going to get easier. Like things are, I've always wanted this. So now that I have this relationship, I'm going to have these wants, desires, needs fulfilled, right? Right. So at that point, I'm projecting my needs, my wants, and my desires on another person who has limited resources. Guess what? Disappointment starts to creep in. And I'm, again, I'm not qualified to even be loved now. So, what's next? What's next on the list of success? Business, right? I'm going to make some money. I can make some money, so then people will respect me. Poured my life, nearly lost my family, poured my life into my business. I, st I still remember in the year 2000, bought a, a brand new Ford pickup, December of 2000. And by December of 2001, I'd nearly run the wheels off the thing. It had 112,000 miles on it. Guess how much I was home? I sometimes slept at home. That was about it. I saw a business go from 70 clients to over 350 clients in a matter of a year. People, my, my phone was ringing off the hook. And then I realized, this is bigger than me. I can't even maintain what I've built. It's like getting kicked again. You are unqualified. Am I ever going to be qualified? Am I ever going to put my hand to something and make a difference and it not? And I not run out of steam? Man. So relationships are hard. Business is hard. What else is there? Family. Oh, we'll have some kids. That'll fix our marriage, right? Y'all are laughing like you've had these thoughts. 
I went on to see. I tried so hard in my life. I tried so, so hard. And I couldn't change me. I met Jesus at an early age. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. But because I didn't believe I was qualified, everything just kind of fell through my fingers. And then one day, I met Grace. I had already met Grace before in Jesus. I'd already met Him, but I really began to understand that He's the one who qualifies me. He's the one who sanctifies me. It's not my works. I can't serve enough, do enough, quit enough to save myself. It was in that moment where I met grace that the sin that so deeply wrapped me up began to fall like scales. The desires that I once had, I still had desires, but they changed. What are these desires for? You know this, when, when we go through next steps, you'll learn a little bit about what your gifts and your, your callings are. But I can tell you right now, I know, I know this about every one of your gifts. God has given you all of gifts, right? He give, Jesus gives gifts severally uh, to each one. But I can tell you one thing that I know, even if I don't know you, about your gifts. is they aren't for you, they're for the kingdom of God. The kingdoms, the, the, the gifts he gives you are not for you to eat off the tree. The fruit he gives you is for the people sitting beside you. And guess what? That tells you that if you aren't in relationship with someone, then you're going to starve. Because if you're trying to live off your own gifts, good luck. How's that working out for you? Not too good. Not too good. And I like it. Because it's in our weakness that he's made strong. So why do we do what we do? Matthew 5, or excuse me, Matthew 10, 38 in the message translation says this. If you don't go all the way with me, through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. These are the words of Jesus. These are, these are red letters. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. It's like everything you put your hand to runs through your fingers. But, here's where the good part is. But, if you forget about yourself and you look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. Those are the words of Jesus. So are you qualified or not? It depends on where your trust is. Do you trust yourself? I've struggled with not trusting myself. And in not trusting myself, I was trusting myself. Does that make sense? When I don't trust myself, I also don't trust Jesus in me. We've got to trust him that he's greater than our weakness. Again, because in our weakness, he's made strong. He's elevated. So Psalm says this. Psalm 37. We love Psalm 37.4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So we all want our desires fulfilled, right? Like we want to see what we want happen. Don't lie to me and tell me you don't. Like, I want right now my house to sell. That's the desire of my heart. I've wanted it to sell for over a year. But what's God revealing to me in this season? What's he protecting me from? What's he moving me towards? How's he molding my heart? Because I believe 13 months ago, God said, move, sell your house and move into town. So why hasn't it happened if that's God? Because he's still revealing things to me. He's still showing things to me. And if you, 
delight yourself in the Lord. Go, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but it's going to be so good. I can't wait to see what you're going to do, but you are so good today. You were so good yesterday. You were so good five years ago. You've never given up on me, even when I gave up on myself. That's delighting yourself. That's, that's a contentment that only comes through trusting Jesus, through trusting that person, grace. Hmm. So Psalm 37.1, it says, Fret not because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade away like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord. Step one, trust in the Lord. And do good. Dwell in the Lord and befriend faithfulness. Some of us are waiting for God to be faithful and we've never been faithful with anything he's given us. Have you been faithful with your time? Have we been faithful with our time? Have we been faithful with our finances? Have we been faithful with our thought life? Have we been faithful in all of those things? So just allow God to mold that and shape that. Ephesians 4 says that we're being molded and shaped into the image of Christ. So I can tell you I'm not there yet. But I've left. I've left where I was. And I'm going to be faithful in all that I know today. Do you know, what, you know what the difference between excellence and perfection is? Perfection is completely unattainable. And usually you see perfection in someone else's life until you actually get close enough to see that it's not really perfect. I used to, I used to think that I would never be able to be on a stage because I, well, I've already listed some of the disqualifications. But I don't know it all. I'll get up there and I'll do this when I know it when I confidently know it all, disqualified myself right there. But in the moment, I can trust that God's going to speak. In the moment, I can trust that His Spirit is in me and it is going to lead me. In the moment, I know that God gives vision that's long-term, like I can see 20 years from now. I am excited about 20 years from now. But I also haven't taken that next step He's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So you may have long-term vision, but you don't know what the heck you're going to do tomorrow. That faithfulness is, well, what you've told me is that direction. God, show me where to step tomorrow. You just have to keep walking it out. So back to perfection or excellence. Perfection is completely unattainable. Excellence, and this is what we tell our teams here, Excellence is the best that you can do with what you know and what you have at your disposal right now. It's what you're stewarding right now. Do you know the reason? And I, I, like our worship team, we love Bethel and Hillsong and all of those things. You know the reason that we're not Bethel and Hillsong? Because we haven't stewarded those gifts like those people have. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Like that is no knock on us. What is our next step? What's the small step that we take? We can't expect to be 20 years down the road until we've walked 20 years in faithfulness. Does that make sense? And it's, one is not better than the other. Because guess what? In 20 years, you're going to have to be faithful. You still will have not arrived. Let me say that again. In 20 years, you still will not have arrived unless you're sitting with Jesus. And I'm looking around this room. I think you've all got another 20 years in you. At least. Yeah, all of you. I know some of you feel like you're old, but you're going to be all right. God is faithful. Do you believe that? It says that, uh, that he is faithful. And even in our unfaithfulness, he can't deny himself, so he remains faithful. Man, that's a good word. But you can't receive it unless you understand that grace is not about you. It's a person. He's done it all for us. 
saw a picture one time. I was praying, and, and it was this immense blackness. Like, just everything was black. And I'm not talking, I'm talking like, you're in the country, there's no stars, there's no moon. Like, you can't see your hand in front of your face black. You ever been in, in like, complete darkness? Like, there is no, nothing, nowhere. And God said, that is the depth of my love and my forgiveness for you. Wow, that's incredible. He said, take that pen out of your pocket and open it. And I want you to write all the good things that you've ever done, all the bad things you've ever done. Can you see it compared to what I am? Think about that. Our lives are like that pin, point of a pin. And God's grace and his love and his forgiveness are so deep. So we begin to respond to him differently at that point. We begin to respond in receiving God's loving kindness because it says in scriptures that the loving kindness of God should lead us to repentance. That's when the scales begin to fall off. It's when you lose yourself and you submit to God that the works of your life begin to burn up and the, the beauty of what he's put inside of you begins to be refined. I read a quote this week and it says this, only to the extent that we expose ourselves over and over to annihilation can that which is indestructible be found. Only to the extent that we expose ourselves over and over again to annihilation can that which is indestructible be found. You know, I don't regret going through those years, those hard times. I figured out that relationship wasn't the cure. Money wasn't the cure. Success wasn't the cure. Fame wasn't the cure. The cure was grace. The cure was truly understanding that I partner with somebody that has forgiven me. Do you want to know him? I still remember my wife coming in one day about a year after we'd been at Victory Life and saying, she's got the scriptures up and she goes, can you believe this? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I said, you are misinterpreting that scripture. I know me. I'm not qualified to be called righteous. Thank you. We need to be able to call that out in each other. Because guess what? No. Your filthy rags, no. But have you made Jesus your Lord? then guess what? We share his blood. We share his righteousness. We share that we are co-heirs with Christ now. I still, I st like that, that comes off my tongue and I go, is that right? Like, is that right? Can it be that good? Yeah, the gospel, it's, it's that almost too good news to be heard. It is so good. And if you trust that, the things that held you back will become the things that thrust you forward. The enemy uses our weakness to disqualify us. And Jesus eliminated our need to be qualified. So whatever's whispering to you, you're disqualified. Whatever's whispering to you, you failed again. Jesus took care of that need to be qualified. God uses his strength and weakness. So, what do you want? What is, what is something that stirs the desire in you? Do you want to have a successful business? Is that something that God has put in you? Do you want to have, I'm, look, I'm looking across the room and I see several business owners here. And I believe that God has designed business owners. 
And those businesses, they're called to be ministries. Right? They're called to make you money. And then you get to serve. You get to give. You get to be an impact on your city. I think, I think the greatest thing that a, a business can do is it can raise people up. It can disciple people in learning work ethic. It can disciple people in how to manage money. It can disciple people in those ways. So if you're a business owner, don't let the enemy disqualify you. You have a ministry right there. Have you been called to be a mother or a father? Don't let your history, don't let what you went through as a child, don't let your parents define that. You have been qualified to be a mother or father. I still remember the first time my daughter, my oldest daughter, was handed to me. I'm sitting there going, trust me, if you've ever tried to hand me a baby, I've probably said, oh, they're cute. Yeah, thank you. Very cute. Or if they're not very cute, maybe I've said, oh, they look just like their dad. <laughs> if I've ever said that, don't take that personal. I'm just teasing. But I mean, this little... <laughs> okay, I need to reel y'all back in for a second. Um, this little life, I'm thinking, man, if I drop this, if I mishandle this, if I break this, I don't think I could live with myself. I still remember driving home from the hospital, trying to miss every bump, trying to make sure I go really slow from the stop sign. That was the first time in 26 years that that happened. I'm thinking, God, help me. This is so much bigger than me. And that baby gets handed to me. and I feel like I was never going to be qualified to be a dad. And I just feel the Holy Spirit say, I've qualified you now. And once Cooper was in my arms, I'll, I'll give my life for you. Same thing happened with the rest of my kids. Every time I was given another thing to steward, God multiplied the grace to me to do it. So no, maybe you don't have the grace to do it now, but remember, you're in a season. Steward what you're at now, and God will give you the grace to steward where, where you're moving to. So, I teach you this over and over again because it matters. Who is the church? We are. One of you gets it. Who's the church? We are. Those that are called out according to his purposes. The ecclesia, the gathered together people of Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning with something, and you may not believe me right off. You may struggle with what I'm about to say. But I want you to chew on it. And if you struggle with it, that's okay. What is God's main method for salvation in the world? Just hold your, hold your answers. I don't want to embarrass you here in a second. What is God's main method? A method is, is how something, your, your, your motive, your, 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 how you walk something out. God's main method for salvation for the world is his church. Y'all are being pretty quiet. I figured at least one or two of you might, might shout or something. That's okay. His main method, it's all his, the way he does it is always Jesus. But how does he get Jesus to the world? Through his church. That is his main method. So are we partnering with him or are we resisting him? Until you realize that you are qualified, you're not partnering with him. You're actually becoming a stumbling block. It says in First or Second Peter, it says, those that trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. But those that trust in themselves, Jesus Christ himself will become a stumbling block. So 
I'm going to present to you today that the main way that God gets salvation into the world is through his church, through you. Who's the church? We are. You need to know the hope that's in you so that you can give an answer for your hope. And it's not your works. It's not what you do. It's not how you do it. It's who you know. Do you really know Jesus? And I want to prove it to you. And I think if I'm going to prove this, I probably should go to Jesus. If you would turn to John 17. John 17, 18. I want you to see, if you have your Bibles, these, these are red letters. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. And Jesus is praying. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Do you believe in Jesus? Is he your Lord? Then you are them. And for their sake, for whose sake? For our sake. For their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified. You're not just qualified, you're sanctified. You're made whole. When it says in the scriptures that, we're, that we are royal priests, do you realize the work that those priests, that those Levites had to go through just to be able to walk into to the, uh, the Holy of Holies and not be struck dead? They had to live complete lives. They had to eat. They had to know everything that you think. You think your diet is rough? They had to think about everything they put in their body. They had to think about everything they put on their body. Down to their underwear, it had to be a certain way. So that they could even once a year go in and approach the altar. Jesus sanctified you by you simply believing in him. And that belief is going to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. That belief is going to reveal to you things where you've trusted yourself, where you go, what do I really want? And suddenly, you realize that your want is focused on you, not him. And he still sanctifies you. He still walks that out with you. So... I consecrate myself so that they may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask these things for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. We're still them today. That, that they may all be one. This is why division in church culture, I believe, hurts the heart of God. It not only hurts the little ones among us, but it hurts the heart of God. We need to be unified as the church. If you've been around me long, if you've ever tried to talk negatively about another church, I'm going to do everything in my power to shut you down because I don't want you to say something you'll regret. I have been around some very, very unhealthy churches that thought they were the only way to Christ. They're still pursuing Christ. So, if you come to me and you're bad-mouthing another church, another work of God, I don't care what denomination, I'm going to tell you, hey, are they for Jesus or are they against Him? Maybe they have a small revelation of grace, but are they still pursuing Jesus? Because I don't want to see any divide. I still believe this is the best church you can come to. Like, I've given my life to come here. I still believe that that we are going to make a healthy church. That's in our mission statement, that we're building healthy churches. Why do we build healthy churches, and how do you get there? Unity. You want health? You want life? You want God to start flowing in your life? Trust Him and, and be with some other people. Put them above you for a moment. That's what Jesus did. Are you better than Him? Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox for a minute. I know churches have hurt you. Churches have hurt me too. I don't want to dissuade that. I understand pain. 
but I also understand forgiveness now. More and more every day. He says, I do not ask these things only for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the word may be believed that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given them. Oh, it's all for God's glory. I don't want any glory. Well, God says he elevates the humble and he resists the proud. Why would he elevate the humble? It's so that you can have some influence. Don't deny God's glory in your life. You need God's glory in your life. I hope we all become to, get to a place where we see that and we know that more. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. So that who may know? The world. If God be for us, who can be against us? We usually look that look at that in the context of us and them. You know that God wants to connect with the heart of the godly business owner. Do you know that God wants to connect with the heart of the pimp and the strip club owner and the bar owner and all of these things? No differently that he wants, than he wants to connect with yours and my heart. Because in that connection comes healing. In that connection comes those things that hurt so many light being brought to and love being brought to. In that connection, we've got to know God's heart. If God be for me, then who can be against me? The enemy and our pride. That's who can be against us. And the enemy only uses our own pride. Look, up, look, at, look at what it says in James. It says he uses our pride and our selfish desires to tempt us. If God be for us, then who can be against us? It's not talking about people. Because God loves all people. Amen? Amen. The glory you've given me, I've given them, that they may be one even as we are one, and I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. I don't read that as God loves me as he loves Jesus. I read that as God loves the world as he loves Jesus. We're sent to show the love of God to this world. When I moved here over three years ago, I saw people that, that love Jesus, but they don't know that he loves them. So they have disqualified themselves. And if anything, if you're within the sound of my voice, I want you to know that you're qualified. That Jesus makes you whole. So a couple of quick questions. What keeps us from going? What keeps us from sharing with the world the love of God? Insecurity. You know, insecurity is probably one of the most deadly things in your life. That feeling that you're never qualified, that you're never enough. It will keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Fear. Have any of you been afraid before? I have. Yeah. It's, it's daily above my capabilities. And since I realized that, God makes me more capable in the moment. So fear keeps us from going. Pride and self-focus keeps us from going. Unforgiveness keeps us from going. I talked about the church is hurting you. I, I spent seven years separated from the church because I was hurt by a church. And Jesus, in his 
kind, loving way, says in Scripture, so gently, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Not only that, it says it's in the story of the the unforgiving servant that turned his underling over to the tormentors. Jesus says, my father will do the same if you don't forgive. That torment is often exhibited in anxiety, in fear, in worry. Trust God with those that that have hurt you. Give it to him. It's not worth holding on to. It's just not. If you want freedom, give forgiveness. It keeps us from going. It keeps us from moving forward. Offense. All of these things basically can be summed up in in James 3.16. Where there is envy and strife, there is every evil work. So are we envying? Are we striving with each other? Those have to do with horizontal relationships. But what empowers us to go? God's goodness. For For the loving kindness of God should lead men to repentance. Scripture says, grace, when you receive grace, then you have the ability to go. Love, we're not talking about romantic love, we're talking about agape love, love that can give you nothing in return. And forgiveness. One more time, the enemy uses our weakness to disqualify us. Jesus eliminated our need to qualify. God uses his strength in our weakness. Change is inevitable. Sometimes fear that makes you go, I'm going to stay where I'm at. Change is inevitable. We are either being redeemed by the light or we are adapting to the darkness and the death spiral. It's incredible what people can adapt to. Incredible. Both good and bad. Building a healthy church and people because the church of Jesus Christ is God's method to deliver salvation to a broken world. So the call today is, what do you really want? And I'm going to give you the the answer. We want to be qualified. We want to be justified. It's a desire God gave us to lead us to him. But how are you getting there? And who are you partnering with to go? So, Father, today, I ask that you just speak to our hearts. Reveal to us the gifts, the calls that you have in each of our lives. Reveal to us something more than us. Help us to be a people that know we're qualified. Help us to be a people that trust in Jesus' qualifications that we might go and actually see the world come to know the love of the Father. And that is the same as the love that you have for, for Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit in us, to speak in us and through us. God, we love you. Keep chipping away that anything that's in us, anything in us that's not of you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for these things in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you in a couple of things. Um... I showed you these. We prayed for you today. I'm looking for a few good men and women that want to go out into our neighborhoods and actually pray over some houses, pray over some neighborhoods. We have these available for you out there, but I don't want you just sticking these on doors. I want you to literally go and pray over the people that live there. We have the cards out there that say, we prayed for you today. I just believe that there's something in, in the encouragement. When we give somebody a card and we say, I just prayed for you, something happens in their life. 
I'm trying to get you out of your comfort zones. We have a, a missions program. Today is actually Mission Sunday. And I forgot to play the video earlier. But we have missions to... Um, let me look real quick. We have a mission trip going to Los Angeles. We have one going to Nepal. One going to New York City. We actually have a mission trip for our youth to go to Colorado and get to serve outside of, of where they're at. So part of that is to get us out of our comfort zone so that we can see something bigger than us. Because here's what happens when you realize you're qualified. You realize that each of you, and I'm even talking to the youth on the back row there, do you know that you have an international ministry? It's, it's bigger than your family, but it starts there. You have a ministry that's bigger than Texarkana, but it starts here. You have a ministry that is international. And when we partner with people, we see that even people in Nepal and people in Brazil and people all over the world, we're all under the same God. But sometimes we need to step out of our comfort zone to realize that what we've always known is not what all is really there. We feel so persecuted when somebody says something cross on Facebook. And yet we have a church in China and Egypt where people are truly persecuted. We don't, we don't live our faith in, in, in fear yet of being beheaded here. The church is bigger than what we see and what we know. But when you realize that you are qualified, you're going to see an impact around the world. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? May the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and give you peace. God, we thank You for qualifying us, for making us whole, for reaching into where we're at calling us out. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for these things actively happening in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all go in the grace and the peace of God. Check out uh, social media this week, vl.church.texarkana, and we'll be releasing more details on the missions programs coming up. If you'd like to give towards that, there's always an opportunity to give towards that. Um, I was excited. I know we actually even have one of our young people today had just left on a, a mission trip. It's so important that we go somewhere. It starts with getting out of our recliner and knowing that you're qualified. Amen? You guys are dismissed. I love y'all. We'll see you Wednesday. <laughs>